0: Welcome to the Mile High Five Podcast. I am Carl Jensen, and I am here with my co-host. I'm Doug Huntington. Doug, I, I think you have a. You didn't tell me about your new side hustle, but I'm down in the um, I'm down in the dungeon here, our recording our recording studio. We should come up with a formal name for it, by the way. But I happen to glance over, and if anyone's watching on YouTube, there are just like stacks of hundreds. Are you dealing drugs now? Do you have a? Are we going to stop the podcast so you can do this more? Are you Breaking Bad? I've been
1: slowly drugging you. I've been putting it in the water here, and that's why you're so energetic in the morning here. No, this is just some, uh, I guess it's like stage cash. And I do, I have a YouTube channel and I get pitches all the time. And this uh, on here, it's, uh, I mean, it looks extremely real and it feels real, but it says motion picture purposes only. And otherwise it looks very much like a stack of twenties or a stack of hundreds or fifties. And this company just wanted me to use it in a couple videos, which I just held up and gave them a little plug. And I have these, Uh, stacks of money that we can use as props we can keep it up here to make it look like we actually know what we're talking about
0: yeah i I think we might have a live recording soon maybe I, i actually i was supposed to talk to you about that before we started recording but at fincon and this episode will probably go out post fincon so this will already be in the past but maybe we could bring this money with us and we could uh persuade people to watch us so we get more than three people there and then we can throw it out to the audience and I'll think it's real. It'll probably cause a riot and a big will be a COVID like hotspot. We'd probably be in the newspaper for all the wrong reasons. So, yeah, maybe that's not such a good idea.
1: We'll figure out something to do with it. And speaking of COVID and stuff, I took a COVID test just the other day because um, my my wife is well, she's doing a picnic actually later today, and I'm gonna help drop off a few things, but because it's the first time that they've gathered, um, everyone needs to take a test. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to be there for a few minutes dropping off things. So I got to swab my nose and, you know, get the test and everything's fine. I don't have COVID. We don't have COVID. We're good.
0: (laughs) My, uh... My hackles raised as soon as you said that, like, Doug, are you waiting to tell me this now? Uh, I know we're a little bit socially distanced, but still we're in the dungeon. Was it the home test where you get the little swab and you stick it in your nose? or
1: It was a swab that you stick in your nose, but my wife's company does COVID testing. So we just went down there and they handed us the little kit. And have you done one of those self-tests?
0: Yeah. Boys?
1: Yes, okay. I have. So it was... It wasn't too bad. And I'm like, did I stick it up far enough? And you, you twist it around. And at the point where my eyes started watering, I was like, oh, I guess that's far enough. So, but yep, every, everything's good. We we felt fine anyway, but just as a precaution and out of respect for the other people we'll be gathering with, we went ahead and got a test. So
0: cool. I'm glad you are negative. <laughs> yeah. It would have been a,
1: a different story. What would, have you, what would you have done if I said, yep, yeah, we're waiting for the results. I have been feeling a little weak the last couple of days and I can't taste food, but uh,
0: yeah. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> I cough, cough. I probably would have ran screaming from your basement, but I don't know. I don't know anyone in my, yeah, you know, actually I do know people who have had COVID. I know three people who have actually died from it, but we don't need to get into that. Um, yeah. I, I don't fear it that much. I've had the vaccine but I don't like being sick either, so I'd rather avoid the whole thing. If if we can make it through without ever getting it, that would make me happy.
1: Yeah, and I've recently I haven't run across anyone who not locally, but I have I've seen some friends that I know online, and they've gotten they've gotten COVID, and their whole family picked it up, and you know they're feeling pretty tired. And then I hear from other people that say, oh, it's like maybe a cold. Like I didn't even know I was sick kind of stuff so anyway who knows what's going to be going on by the time this episode goes live (laughs) in in a few weeks well in changing subjects we uh we've been busy doing a few things and you're one of the owners at mr money mustache hq here in longmont on main street i'm a member there it's it's how we met and there was a pretty awesome event you want to tell everybody about
0: it Yeah, so Alan and Katie Donegan, who I had met in Ecuador back in November of 2016, came into town, and as long as they were here, they decided they'd put on an event. Uh, They usually do the Rebel Business School, which is more of how to start up a a business uh, in a very lightweight manner so you don't spend money, you don't write a business plan, but this was more of a financial freedom and mindset weekend. So it it was really cool because we had all these, it was kind of like a mini reunion for me because we had uh, Kristen from um, North Star and Plug come in and all these old friends that I had met before came into town for this thing. Some came significant distances and it was just a, took a lot of energy, but it was a great event. What did you think about it, Doug? Is this the first time you've been to, you weren't at one of the previous Donegan events at the HQ, were you?
1: No, I wasn't. I thought it was amazing, like a lot of the, a lot of the events that we've been to, It ends up being the people are the most exciting part. So I met a lot of new people, folks that you've known for years, but yeah, Kristen and Alan and Katie, and then, uh, Steven and Lauren, who I have interviewed for my other podcast. Hopefully we'll be able to chat with them sometime soon. And, you know, a handful of other people that just, you know, they don't have blogs or platforms or anything, just normal people who are part of the community. So yeah, it was really awesome. And a lot of the, a lot of the things that Alan was talking about, Alan and Katie and yourself, you spoke, it was, they were all things that I sort of internalized and I've been building my business that way. And it it all sort of fits together. It's a great overlap of entrepreneurship and financial independence and just sort of taking control of your destiny and what you want to work on. So I thought it was fantastic. And sort of that bite-sized, weekend was the right size for me. I think that's like normally a two week situation, right? Like the pop-up business school or the rebel entrepreneur school. I'm, I'm mixing all the words that they have, but you could find them. So it's normally like two weeks, right?
0: Yes, it is two weeks and it's a lot more involved. Yeah, I agree. This was a great format. The Three days was perfect. And the other thing I liked about it was all the downtime. It wasn't listening to people speak for Hours and hours, someone would give a talk. There weren't that many talks, actually. Most of it was probably more hangout time between the hikes and the activities we did in between and all the food. Yeah. And I
1: think if I remember right, that was the first in-person event that Alan has given since COVID hit, like, in early 2020, right?
0: Yeah, that is correct. He was supposed to speak at Google and then COVID happened, which would have been great for him. But then COVID happened, so he had to do it all online, which is never ever the same as being able to do it in person. And fortunately, we were able to see his talk that he gave to Google in person.
1: Yeah, that was um, that's funny. I was supposed to do a talk at Google at another event in the same like New York location, like roughly the same time frame too. I, I didn't put that together, but yeah, I was supposed to do a talk in like April of 2020. I got canceled, so it could have been like the same week. Or something?
0: Oh shit! Well, I think you'll all be able to give your talks in person, and probably won't be till twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three at this point. Fucking variants. Um, oh,
1: it's gonna be a while. Yeah, and I see. I guess anything else on your your mind? I see a couple other bullet points, but I'm not sure what else uh, we should get to before the main topic of today.
0: Yeah one one quick thing. I look forward to getting my ass back in shape. I really like all these people and Tom, but. uh we don't go out to eat eat too often in our real life and then people aren't telling like, Let's go here, let's go here, let's go here and there are these one there's this one place that has biscuits that are about as big as your head. And I know we, we went there together, Doug, with a group of people and yeah, so in my normal life I try to avoid carbs, but if there's a biscuit as big as my head at this place, I will shove it into my mouth as fast as possible. So yeah, I put it on a little weight. But I look forward to doing some hikes and getting my ass back into a better shape
1: yeah I I ate out a lot more too because we, what would happen is we'd do an interview and then we'd go get lunch and we're you know it's people from out of town so we'd go to places that you and I usually don't go and in fact I went to places that I've never been before even though I love eating out we just don't do with that all that often so I don't weigh myself um, very often so I don't know if I put on weight but I feel okay. <laughs>
0: So you've looked the exact same for the whole time I've known you. And I think I <laughs> fluctuated by about 20 pounds. So. Oh man. Wow. Yeah.
1: Um, well, I think people probably know this is a mailbag episode. So we have a few questions. There were a couple questions that we forgot um, and didn't have time to include in our last mailbag episode. So we're going to hit those first. And then we have a series of questions from one individual Um, at MindSpeaks18 that we're going to hit. But we'll start off with the questions that we left behind. And the first one is from David. And this one is about travel rewards and using credit cards and if we have any strategies personally that we like to use. So, Carl, how about you? Do you guys spend a lot of time trying to do this?
0: I do less than I used to. I I remember there was uh, a... when I first discovered Phi, FI, I remember there was an article for, from J.D. Roth about how to use a British Airways card to get a free trip to Hawaii. And you had to do the spend, and there were some loopholes we had to jump through. But the four of us went to Hawaii for all completely free. I think there were some booking fees or something like that. I've dialed it back a little bit because there's a lot of mental bandwidth and research. And also, we have kids, so the travel that we can do is limited. Uh, what I have done recently is we have a couple hotel cards. And we leverage those to get free hotel rooms. I don't think we've paid for a hotel room in like three or four years. And it's really nice. I remember as a kid, whenever we traveled, we would stay in the cheapest, shittiest hotels that we could find. There'd be people screaming in the room. Uh, It would be dirty. And now, for free, we stay in these really nice hotels. We've got the World of Hyatt card and a Marriott uh, American Express card. Those might not be the best use of points there's always new cards coming out and that's part of the mental bandwidth you always have to be watching for the new offer and reading all the fine print and then putting a thing on your calendar so you remember a cancel and not pay the $400 fee but yeah I don't think I could speak about this as eloquently as some people but I I really enjoy those cards we're going to uh, use them a lot this fall actually for some various adventures we got a couple nights in a mountain town. On a level four, one thing that annoys me about the cards is they give you these rewards and they're you can use the reward for level one through four for a free night. And then every hotel you want to go to is like level five. So it's like shit. So if you can actually find a level four hotel, it turns out to be a really good deal because this hotel that would normally cost like close to 300 a night in this particular instance, we get to go for free. So that'll be awesome. Very nice.
1: I also don't spend too much time on it. I, I'm kind of my mindset overall for many things is just make a decision that's pretty good, maybe not optimized, it's not perfect. And then I don't think about it anymore. And I've kind of done this with credit cards. In my consulting days when I traveled a lot, I ran into people that really obsessed and they would switch cards and stay at, specific hotels to get status there and they'd switch hotels to get status at another place and take different airlines if they had the option to maximize their statuses and points and all that stuff. It was like a game and that's fine. I just didn't get into it. And currently right now I have a couple chase cards, one business, one personal, and I just accumulate points there. And I have the chase ink card, which actually, I think you pay like a year. And there's some other benefits and you can earn some additional points. I don't even know all the benefits, but when I assessed the cards that looked like a pretty good one. Plus I had chase points already. And I think generally I will redeem for cash back versus like anything specific that way. I don't know if that's optimized at all, but that way I don't have to worry like, oh, can I stay at this particular hotel and what's the level and some of the challenges that you were just explaining or like an airline flight or something like that. If I just get the cash back, I'm like, all right, got a thousand bucks. Now I can assess like whatever value, um, the, the services or the hotel or whatever with dollar amounts versus points. So I'm like, I have a thousand dollars and We will treat this as like real value because it's just money and it's it's money and not just points where you have to do this internal conversion and figure it out. And I will also point people towards um, some of the, the new friends that we met. Lauren and Steven at Trip of a Lifestyle. So they got some large number of credit cards over several years. I wanna say it was over 40 credit cards in X number of years, and they were able to take advantage of the signing bonuses. And I think that is where you can really get, you know, huge outsized, leveraged points and returns, but you have to apply for the cards. You have to keep track of the cards and cancel them when you're done. And then you end up with a huge stack of cards you have to deal with. If you're not, you know, borrowing money in the near future, it shouldn't impact your credit because your credit score doesn't really matter unless you're borrowing money for a home or a car or some other stuff. So anyway, we'll, we'll link up to a trip of a lifestyle in their uh, analysis because they've thought about it and I have it. Cool. Yep. And I think that's it. Anything else with credit cards or
0: uh, one closing thought, one of the luxuries of FI is you don't have to obsess over this. I used to do the same thing, and it's nice not to have to think about it because I would – and there's very little value. Like after you've done – like I used to obsess about this. I used to book something and then continue to look and see if I could get a lower fare and all that. And it's nice being able to use your brain for something more valuable than trying to save an additional $10 per day on some rental car or some other stuff like that. And it, it's fun to, to find those.
1: Uh, I think it wasn't that long ago, my wife looked at a hotel, like booked it, and then maybe a week or two before we were supposed to stay there, she checked again and the rates were cheaper. So she like rebooked it and saved whatever, 50 bucks, something like that. Yeah. So, but mental bandwidth, cause you, you're thinking about it the whole time. And then, I mean, eventually we got to drink a couple extra beers cause of it. So it's not a bad thing, but Okay. Next one is from Roxanne over on YouTube, and this is kind of an interesting question. So, if your Phi journey was a movie, what movie would it be?
0: Uh, (laughs) This one took some thought. Um, I've got some goofy answers. Uh, Maybe Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure, uh, Dumb and Dumber. Uh, But what what I came to is, and this sounds kind of stereotypical because you hear this movie – being brought up all the time in the financial independence space but it was fight club but without all the violence i don't go around uh beating people up or getting the shit kicked out of me which is the more likely outcome of a of a situation in my life but just the mindset how the guy in the beginning the edward norton character is obsessed i think there's one part where they're making fun of ikea and they're showing all this crap he wants in his condo and then he kind of evolves to care about better things in life. Or maybe worse, because I think in the end they kind of reject society and start blowing shit up. So no fights, no violence, no blowing stuff up, but just the change in mindset from being concerned about all this superficial crap to uh, putting more value on true happiness and trying to figure that part out.
1: Yeah. It's like Fight Club without the fighting.
0: Fight Club without the fighting and without the Blowing up the buildings at the end. I do not want to um, do anything like that. Okay.
1: It's kind of like, well, just having a club. So, I guess it's kind of like
0: HQ in some ways. Oh, maybe there's a movie coming. We'll have Stash Club or Mustache Club. <laughs> Stash Club. Stash Club. The All first rule right. of Stash Club, Doug, is you do not talk about Stash Club.
1: <laughs> we'll have to do something about that little blog attached to the whole thing. A couple people are figuring it out. Mm, shit. So I think for me, I forgot about Fight Club. It's one of my favorite movies and uh, books too. They actually follow along pretty closely. But another movie that was released right around the same time is Office Space. So I think that one fits me pretty well. I I love that movie. And we should, I've thought, I haven't talked to you about it, Carl, but we could do like a, a watch party. Well, a watch party, just you and I watch it and then have an episode where we talk about how realistic, unfortunately, um, office space is in so many ways. Because that was basically like uh, a lot of years of my working career.
0: (laughs) Oh, It's been a long time since I've seen that, but I remember how frequently we would talk about it at our actual job. So, yeah, it hits a little bit too close to home, maybe. We'd have some PTSD going back and watching that thing and we'd have to turn it off at times to let it digest. We'll
1: go out and uh, actually this would be a funny opening scene for our podcast. Would we? I guess we would just get a printer from like Goodwill or something and just – Beat the shit out of it with a baseball bat.
0: No, anyway. we, we've got the one at the HQ that continues to cause problems, and that, that thing <laughs> pisses me off. I actually... That's right. Thre- yeah, I actually threatened to throw it out the window last time. It took me hours and hours, and the damn thing will throw off all these weird air codes. Like, you've got a 924 air code, and then Google don't doesn't even know what the hell's going on. So then you just start shaking the thing. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that printer. Maybe we'll start by throwing it off the roof of the HQ. I hate that thing. Yeah. I got to go try to fix it after this recording, actually. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah, yeah. I'm not kidding. I'm going there after this to try to, it's like a 942 error or some bullshit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that thing an error. Oh, man. Okay.
1: So, th- those are good movies. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. Okay. Good question. Thanks to David and Roxanne for sending in those questions. And let's get into the meat of it here. We have a series of questions. And again, this is from Mind Speaks 18. Uh, Carl, do you want to kick it off and read the first little section here?
0: Yeah, sure. So the first one I've subtitled Journey to Fi. So he says, once someone learns the basics and investment is automated for 401k, uh, sorry, a little typo here, Roth and et cetera, how do I focus on other things than money? Because Fi is a new concept. I cannot get it out of my system. I continue to research more and more. So it sounds like he's obsessed with fire and can't stop thinking about it.
1: Yeah. Well, I have to say that in a lot of ways, that's kind of my personality too. I'll get interested in something and then I'll research obsessively until I reach some conclusion or it sort of culminates to the end. So quick example Uh, I think in some previous episodes, I was telling you I was getting obsessed with guitars and older guitars and antique guitars. And eventually I bought this Recording King guitar. It's a little parlor deal and it's from 1939. People in the podcast or on the video can see it sitting in front of me. So it's a pretty cool instrument, really fun. And I literally researched for weeks and weeks and weeks and then I got it. And now like I've quenched my thirst for that guitar uh for the time being and um I'm not worrying about it so much but with phi I didn't go in as deep and I think once I figured out that certain things were in place that I just needed to ride it out and stay the course and then everything would be fine and I luckily have many many other interests some very adjacent close to uh phi fi and financially related but other things are completely unrelated so it's pretty easy for me to move back and forth from topics and if i feel like i'm going a little too deep into something i can hop over to one of my other interests so what do you think carl
0: yeah so when i discovered it i did go bonkers i went crazy i started reading all these blogs i started my own blogs and I just kind of thought about it nonstop. If you asked uh, Mindy, my wife, about it, she would probably say I I wouldn't shut the hell up about it. I think that it's good to understand it. It's good to do the research, read the simple path to wealth, like uh, figure out the changes you're going to make in your life. But then I think you shouldn't think much more about it at all. One of the points I tried to make in my talk this weekend was I did become obsessed and I did all these crazy things. And that was the wrong way to go about it. I think you should focus on your happiness and focus on day-to-day happiness, especially no matter how much your job sucks, you can't rely on this external circumstance to make your life better, because it won't. And that happened with me. I reached this, and then I, my life was better, but I wasn't any happier. So you should figure out what makes you happy, work on your life, and do those types of things. and. Uh, The point I think is true for a lot of people is once you realize the stuff that makes you happy, it's not necessarily stuff that costs a lot of money. A new car and a big house might give you fleeting happiness, but those aren't the things that give you long-term happiness. So get your life right, learn how to invest, learn the mechanics of money, and I think if you do it all right for many of us, FI will just be a happy side effect of, of doing that. So yeah, I can't stress this enough to really enjoy the journey. Don't don't hate your day to day life and think this is going to make your life better because it won't. Um, find joy every day.
1: And I'll I'll mention that a lot of people that we met over the weekend at this event, several people sort of shifted their lifestyle. And I think I'll make a quick analogy with like dieting if you go on a diet and you lose a lot of weight and it's an unsustainable diet, you're probably going to revert back to sort of your baseline or whatever your lifestyle or eating habits were before. So usually I'm no dietitian or health consultant of any kind, but usually if you can adapt your overall eating style and lifestyle and you can be at a healthy weight, that's probably going to be better than some yo-yo diet where you lose 50 pounds and you go back up and go back down. So I think in a similar way, if you can adjust your lifestyle while you're on the journey to find to figure out like what makes you happy. And really I'm just paraphrasing what you have said so many times, Carl, like you can't all of a sudden hit financial independence, quit your job, and then you're going to be happy. You have to get your other shit in order ahead of time and that'll probably be a gradual, uh, sometimes painful process where you don't know what's going to make you happy or how it's going to fit in with your, your family or other people in your life. So I would say, you know, focus on your lifestyle. It sounds like you have your, your finances sort of automated, things are in a good spot, but if you can figure out the things that are going to make you happy, like I'm, uh, I'm starting to hike more and just take some days off and be outside. And that seems to be, really good for my sleep and overall attitude and getting away from the noise of the, you know, the town and cars and stuff like that. So I I realized, hey, if I could throw in another day, like every two weeks, like that's probably going to be a really good thing for me overall. So any other thoughts on that lifestyle angle?
0: Yeah. One quick thought. Um, I won't say financial independence is easy because it might not be for many of us. But it is simple. There's not that much stuff you have to learn. Investing isn't hard. Index funds aren't that difficult. Uh, The hard part is figuring out your life and your happiness and what makes you want to get out of bed in the morning. This is the most fun thing, but also may be the most difficult to figure out. And this is where you should be spending your mental bandwidth, not thinking about how to optimize an index fund or trying to save three basis points on your – on your index fund or whatever, focus on life, not the money. And the money will hopefully follow. Right. Very good. Let's see. I can
1: move on to the next one if you're ready. Sure. Let's do it. Family and relatives. I was raised in a lower middle-class household in India. I had a wealthy extended family who always mocked our money situation. That left a big scar on my mind. And I want to, I wanted to make money for their validation. I was so wrong, and I stopped it five years ago.
0: Yeah, this is an interesting one. I think he has come to his, I don't want to say senses, uh, but he's in a better place now. What I would say, if you've got people who are are mocking you for your money, those people aren't worth worrying about in the first place because they're kind of Uh, If you've got people in your life like that, their family, you might have to. First of all, if they weren't family, I would not keep those people around. But if they're family, they're people that you're going to have to run into and probably spend time. And there could be other rifts if you try to um, eliminate them from your life. But that's a that's pretty toxic on, on their part. And if they're toxic in other ways too they might be worth letting go of just because someone is family doesn't mean you're obligated to spend time, family, people, families do all kinds of bad shit to other people and family. But I, yeah, I think the main thing is just, uh, I heard Kevin Smith say this one time, uh, the, the movie guy, someone was making fun of him and the best revenge is living well. And I like that, but I don't like it. I think the living well part is great, but the revenge part kind of speaks to his ego and that you're still trying to get back at him. I would just live well and ignore that shit altogether.
1: I have two thoughts. One is what's great that you've, sounds like you've moved past needing like external validation. And I think, I feel like I, I reached that point sometime. I don't know. It was probably in, multiple levels. I was going to say a little bit in high school. I was pretty nerdy then in college, you know, and then in my career, I realized I didn't need the external validation, even though it was around like raises and being evaluated against my peers. I realized I really didn't give a shit what the managers thought. So that, that is a terrible employee, what I'm, what I'm describing. So I think once you move past that, like, and you, you start to have like your own internal validation you're like racing your own race instead of playing someone else's game. Cause if you're, if you're playing your own game, you can d- design the rules how you want it to fit whatever is going to make you happy. So, and I think, you know, so many of our conversations go back to navigating towards happiness and away from like, you know, discomfort in some ways and negative people. So that's, that's my overall thought. The secondary is Kevin Smith, I was going to say. I have his book on the shelf over there, Tough Shit. Uh, are you a Kevin Smith fan?
0: I do. I like him, and I had no idea he wrote a book, so there there you have it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Are, do you listen to audiobooks much, or are you more of a print, print guy?
0: Um, I do. I do both probably print a little bit more than audio, but I do do audio, too. Like All right.
1: It... Uh I was going to say, I'm going to send you home with it if you want. It's a quick read and the audiobook's very good. Kevin reads it himself and then ad libs. So there's a little bit extra in the audio book where he just goes on a riff, but yeah, he, he's great. Uh, his movies have been fine overall, but as a, like a podcaster and person that I became like reaware of in the last like two or three years, I was like, oh, this guy's awesome. He's very cool. Have you listened to his podcast
0: at all? I have not. I don't think I knew he had a podcast either. What's that
1: called? Uh, You know what? I think it's called The Smodcast. Okay. Um, You'll have to look it up. But if you just want to do a quick catch up on what's been going on with him, check out his interviews on... Joe Rogan. I think he's been on twice, say in the last four years or so. And you could just kind of hear about what he's been up to. And he's very, you know, pro podcast pro, like do your own thing. And you don't need like validation from the movie networks or whoever, like if, you, if you're creative and you want to do something like just do it and then you'll figure it out along the way. So v- very hard left turn there. But I was like, Oh, Kevin Smith, like very, very few people are like, Oh, when I quote Kevin Smith.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's really awesome advice. I really like the part about external validation. If if you're going for that, you're going to turn yourself into someone who's not really you. And do you want people to like you for who you are? Or do you want people to like you for this caricature you've made yourself? Um, The former answer is always the better one. Nice. All right. Next section here.
1: It's called Forgiving Myself. Carl, you want to...
0: Yeah. So, I had all the access and opportunities to start investing back in 2009 when I landed in the USA. However, I thought I had so much money compared to my early adolescence, I spent recklessly. I cursed myself many, many times for these stupid mistakes. Uh, I know I cannot change the past. I started to forgive myself, but still spend time cursing myself every week. I want to be free from that thought. I want to break free and forgive myself forever. How do I take the right step towards it? Doug? How,
1: how are we ending up with these deep questions? I mean, people have heard the other mailbag episodes, right? I mean, we we talked probably for 10 minutes about asparagus pee. What's the chemical the organic uh, chemistry thing you got
0: uh it's uh, called asparagine which is what obviously asparagus is named after but yeah we forgot to do our asparagus pea experiment at dinner the other <laughs> night too we had asparagus and we were gonna get a stopwatch and see what happened as far as how long it took but yeah we forgot i guess we'll have to have asparagus again
1: i did text you that night late that night like hey man how
0: did your pee turn out <laughs> I wonder – hey, Doug, here we are. We're going to take another side asparagus bee side journey. I wonder if – asparagus must have some organization, like you see those commercials for meat and pork, the other white meat. I wonder if there's like an asparagus advocacy organization. And if there is, we should reach out to them. Maybe they want a little spot. I mean, I don't mind advocating for vegetables. They're good for you and save the environment and all that shit. But, yeah, maybe we can have a deeper relationship with whoever – I'm going to make a note to, to look this up see if there is an asparagus whatever that would be called.
1: Check it out. Yeah, we can do some live spots where we talk about, you know, don't worry about how the pea smells. It's not a big deal. Like they just need a better image. You know, they've been tainted for for years with this asparagus pea uh, just stigma. It's a it's a real stigma. Okay, we'll answer the question. This um this is very interesting. There's a couple Couple takes here. One is in the you know, the past is the past. What this person is describing are all sunk costs. So looking at it from a more like logic and less therapy-oriented view, these are sunk costs. You made some mistakes in the past. That money is spent, those things are done. So you can really only Like make decisions based on where you are right now and you can't rely on on sunk costs because it's just, well, it's a fallacy. I mean, they call it a fallacy. So you potentially are making bad decisions if you're thinking, oh, I made a mistake in the past. So just move forward. And the fact that you're aware of it now is great. And I think that's, you know, maybe all you need to do. And I am no therapist but I think the fact that you acknowledge it and you're self-aware is probably 90% of what you need to do.
0: Yeah, and the other thing I would add to this is how many times do you talk to someone about financial independence and they say, I wish I would have had this information when I was 20. And like, dude, you're like 31. So where I'm going with this is, and I think this guy is still pretty young. He's a lot younger than either of us. Like Most people never figure this shit out. How many people live their whole lives like this or live till they're like, or at 70 figured out. I remember I was at an investing seminar and I got very lucky to be able to experience this thing. I was in my, I don't think I was even 21 yet, but I looked around and everyone else is like 70 or whatever. Their time was over. They should have been investing a long time ago. They should have figured this out five, five decades ago. So yeah, don't worry about it. You've, yeah, I think this guy is in his early thirties, I would guess, or maybe even like late twenties. So You've got plenty of time. Learn from those mistakes, like you said, Doug, and move on. Don't consider the past for another moment unless it's going to have some application to the future that you can learn from and make a decision on. But uh, you should not fret over this or have regrets over it.
1: I didn't become aware of FI or some of the you know general ideas of investing until I was maybe like thirty four to thirty five. So, I mean, luckily I had been saving some just just like you, Carl, because you were like 37, right? Yes. But yeah, we were relatively frugal, not super frugal, but we generally were saving. And I actually remember some of the, the first couple years in my full-time job, for whatever reason, I was like, oh, you know what? I am going to max out my 401k. So I ended up putting in like whatever, 25% of my salary in there. Uh, maybe not quite that much, but yeah, I maxed it out when I I didn't know any better, but I just, I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm actually going to make a good decision here. And I didn't realize how significant it would be in like 40 years. But um, yeah, the fact is I didn't d- discover any of this stuff until I was 35 and made so many bad decisions uh, in investing specifically, uh, buying a home that I was probably overextended in a bad area with bad timing. I mean, I have probably five or six, like not catastrophic mistakes, but pretty significant just fuck ups. And if I could have gone back, sure, it would have been great, but you know, sunk costs so I can only move forward. And quick side note, um, we'll probably talk about it at some point, but I had a foreclosure in that home that I was um, describing and that it was a strategic foreclosure. It wasn't a primary home at that time, but essentially that is an exercise in sunk cost where I was like, Oh shit. Like I have this mortgage here. Uh, A foreclosure could be a huge issue or it might not be. And, it's actually really hard to get advice on getting a foreclosure. Cause if you go read any of the articles or advice on it, it's usually written by uh, the banking industry that loans money. So they obviously don't want to tell people to get a foreclosure, even if it's the best move for them. So it was one of those deals where I had to evaluate exactly where I was at that time and ignore the past. So just side note, but sometimes you have to make a hard decision and you don't know how it's going to turn out.
0: Sure. One other thing I'll say about this, and he might have alluded to it a little bit here is there's that old saying that goes, when the when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So um, we all like to say we wish we discovered Mr. Money Mustache at 21 or 18 or seven. Would have been even better. But would we have been, would we have acknowledged that message and would we have acted upon it you never know a lot of of us need to be in a bad place to pivot and change our life or we just have to be around the right people or whatever. There's a lot of conditions and thought that goes into it. But I often wonder if I would have discovered Pete. I mean, I know he wasn't even a thing 20 years ago, but if I would have discovered Mr. Money mustache and get rich slowly at the age of 20, maybe I I would have thought it was a bunch of shit and maybe I would have even reacted against it. So who knows? I, I think he should be instead of, being angry for the person he was and his actions in the past, I think he should be thankful that he has the knowledge now and that he's taking action with plenty of life left to uh, still have a lot of power in his life.
1: All right. Next one is frustration. So I learned about fire late, but I think I can coast fire if I want to, because I, I'm on a work visa. I have to keep working and be tied to the same employer, even if I don't want to. The work visa and the green card situation is the number one stress in my life, which I cannot fix.
0: Yeah, this is a difficult one. And I admit I don't know a whole lot about how these visas work or green cards. But it sounds like if he quit his work, he would have to leave the United States. And I'm not sure what the answer to this is. I probably should have asked him for a little bit more clarification and what he wants out of life like is staying in the U.S. valuable enough to him where it's worth staying at the job. Uh, well, one thing I would say just from being in the FI community is we're, we're very mobile and we, we have some local friends. You might have even met them, but they're going to go in Portugal and with the intent of perhaps buying a house and moving there at some point. So it, the U.S. is great. I appreciate my country. I'm thankful to have been born here, but there's so many places in the world that are are equally good and more accessible than the U.S. might be. Yep. That's exactly
1: what I would say as well. You know, explore some other options where you have flexibility. And I too don't know much about this. I've had some friends in a similar situation where they were, they were kind of stuck with their job, even uh, like Canadian folks working down here in the U S same situation. You wouldn't think it would be as difficult, but they're stuck at the job too. And from what I understand, it's, you know, sometimes difficult to get a company to sponsor you. Um, So, yeah, I would, unfortunately, we can't offer too much more, but I guess just think outside the box. I know there's probably a lot of countries that maybe would welcome people with money, especially if you think maybe you want to start a business. I know, uh, I think Portugal has some good entrepreneurship programs where they want people to come and, you know, create jobs and like come with money and help. You know, make certain areas more uh, maybe desirable to live and jobs for the the people there. I don't know much about it. I haven't looked into it, but some of my friends have talked about it as well. So,
0: yeah, I hope I I know this person. I did talk to him a little bit more. He's in California, and I think he talked about he might move to Texas. Maybe he'll come through town on his way and we could actually interview him and talk more about it. Maybe we could share some asparagus with him, see if he likes <laughs> asparagus. One, one question about asparagus, Doug. I'm sorry to derail this once again. It'll be brief. Have you have you ever had that white asparagus? Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen that before? I
1: have seen it. I think I've had it before, but probably only at a restaurant. I, I don't recall picking it up. I, I think I see where you're going with this, but go ahead. <laughs>
0: It's kind of creepy looking like a white vegetable, and I think what they do is they, someone told me they pile dirt around it or maybe grow it in a dark environment, so it's never, the poor asparagus is never exposed to the sun, so it never develops the chlorophyll to turn it green, but yeah, we should do some experiments on it to see how that affects the the urine. Asparagus people, if you're listening, the Asparagus Advocacy, Advocacy Counselor, whatever your name is, we're not disparaging the white asparagus, I've never even tried it, so we will, I'm going to make a note. That I actually have to go to the grocery store too today. If I see it, I'm going to buy it and, and give it a taste test and, and a pee test. Right, that sounds good. Yeah, the AAC, Asparagus Advocacy Council. We'll
1: have to check that out. Okay, moving on. Next section is life after five. So money cannot buy happiness, but it can buy the freedom to do things that we want to do. What's your experience with money after being financially independent? And how did you transition from acquiring money to spending it post FI, And what did you allow yourself to do after Phi?
0: Okay, yeah, I'll take this one first. My life hasn't changed as much as it might. And the reason for that is because we have kids and we want to keep them in the public schools. I have no desire to homeschool. That was a freaking disaster. So we're kind of tied down with what we can do with our life. If we didn't have kids or once they're out of the house, I would probably be more mobile. I'd be spending time in other parts of the country and maybe even other parts of the world with slow travel. One thing I'd like to do is get an RV and maybe travel down the Pacific coast of the United States or maybe spend a couple months in Portugal or some other country, but still have Longmont as a home base. So we'd probably come back here. Uh, So to answer his question, for me at least, it's all the little things that have changed. It's being able to spend more time with the kids. I can take them into school. Every day I can volunteer for all their Valentine's Day parties and all, all the crazy stuff they've got going on there, although that came to an abrupt end during COVID. And it's not caring so much about little decisions I used to, like for the longest time, if we were traveling, we'd pack all these sandwiches and shit. So if we were hungry, we could eat on the plane or whatever and and now I don't think about that stuff so much anymore. Like we used to never go out to eat and now I'm like, you know, it's okay to spend like the 20 bucks isn't going to affect the financial situation in any way possible in, in any way. So if it's convenient or it enhances life a little bit more, or we don't have to worry about something, I will spend the money. I'm trying one, one example is we're going on a FinCon and there is a famous barbecue place called Franklin's Franklin and Someone told me, uh, my friend Joel told me, yeah, we can go there, but there's usually a three or four hour wait to get this. I'm like, oh, geez, I don't really want to wait that. Like, like dumb shirt Doug's is like 90% as good. Maybe even 95, Doug, your your brisket was, was pretty spectacular. And maybe even yours is better, so we'll judge when we go down there. So I looked on their website, and they're like, well, you could avoid the line. If you order like a couple hundred bucks worth of food, you can just come here and pick it up. So my immediately thought was, I'm going to contact Joel, Doug, and everyone else. I know, I know who's going, and I'm going to buy lunch for everyone. And it's kind of selfish because I want to taste this, but I didn't really think about the money. I can give. have this little fun meetup when we're in Austin and not have to wait in line. Um, so I'm spending a couple hundred bucks to not have to wait in line. Lines are one of my greatest annoyances in life, so to avoid that is huge. I went off on a big tangent there, but if F.I. is made the little things in my life much more pleasant. Uh, Just being able to take a walk around the neighborhood for a couple hours and catch up on the Lex Friedman podcast or other things. So it's not the big things yet, but I think they might be at some point. Did you find it hard to transition from the acquisition
1: phase to actually letting go? Because, I mean, you've been retired for, what, like four years ish?
0: Yeah, four years. April of 2017. And Yeah, I'm kind of cheating there, too, because right when I left, Mindy went back to work, which was probably a good thing. I think we were spending a little bit more than we did, and it gave us a chance to buy this other house that we eventually moved to. So we really haven't had to move that much to the spending. With the home improvements we're doing, she doesn't make enough to fund all that, so we do have to sell a little bit of VTI every once in a while. And I admit, I, I think that is Going to be difficult when we eventually start to do it. I think it'll be temporary discomfort. We'll take fifty thousand out to fund our living for the year, maybe sixty thousand or eighty thousand if we're still working on the house. But then, in a normal year, our portfolio will grow a lot more than that. So I think that fear or discomfort will go away. Will go away quickly. And the other thing is, when she stops working, we need life will become even cheaper, because right now we have two cars, uh, just because she's got to go into work occasionally. But after that, we would only need one car, so life would become, yeah, even cheaper. And we'd have more time to do things. Sometimes when we spend money, we do it out of a place of convenience. Uh, we're, we're both working all these hours, so let's just buy dinner out or, or, or order out, which is very expensive. But once she stops, all that kind of, all that disappears. We'll have more time to deal with these things in our life. Mm-hmm. So I think my
1: experience is not an exact parallel, but also not one where I went from working and acquiring to all of a sudden a completely different lifestyle. So probably the last five or six years of my corporate career, I was working remotely anyway. So some of the things you were talking about, like slow travel, like we were doing that already while we were working. We slowly figured it out. We probably could have done it for a few months more years, but the slow travel is fantastic. And in that same idea, like I hate lines, I don't want to sit in traffic. And that's usually like when we're running our errands, it's after work or something like that. But the fact that I've worked from home for so long, I would go shopping on, you know, Tuesday morning at 10 30 a.m., And there's very few people in stores, just in general, you always give the example of like Home Depot at like 11 or something like the contractors are out and it's the middle of the week. So most people are at work and I have been doing that and just like making things convenient for myself. And the other part is, you know, my, my wife and I are still working. So my wife has a full time gig, W2 job. And then I have my online business. Now, I have been shaping my online business to do exactly the kind of work that I want to do and I enjoy, and getting rid of the things that I don't like and doing less and less work. In fact, Elizabeth told me over this last weekend that she noticed that I've been working less over the summer. And I'm like, that's good. I've been trying to work less. So even if I don't take a full day off, maybe I'll go work out for like two and a half or three hours and just, I'll, just go and walk outside. Cause it's nice. So again, my experience is probably unique and it was so gradual that my lifestyle didn't change in a, in a huge way. Now, as far as spending money, I, I don't think I've ever had a big issue with spending. I, you know, love to acquire the money, but at some point it's like, Oh, I think I can give myself permission to get like the good brisket. So I can go ahead and get like a big prime brisket. It's a few dollars more than the choice, but it's gonna be good. And I enjoy that whole process of cooking and then sharing the food, for example, or like the guitar that I pointed out earlier, like definitely a luxury splurge. But again, at some point I was like, well, maybe it's okay if I get another guitar, even though I just got got one earlier this year. And, you know, it's tough to switch gears on some of those things, or we were just upstairs uh, and we got a new couch because our old, our old one was kind of a piece of junk and it was super cheap and we haven't gotten like an actual nice couch. So we have sort of like shifted and we're, we're very like aware that we want to spend money on things that are important to us. So we wouldn't go splurge and get like a new car, which we don't really care that much about, but a couch, we would use it all the time and there's a good chance that it's going to last for, you know, 15, 20 years or something like that. So I think for me, like I said, it's been easy my whole life to spend money. So now I'm just giving myself a little bit more leeway for certain things, knowing that it's important to me or somehow it's going to make me happier in another way. Like I've been playing guitar a lot more and that's a fantastic hobby. exercises your brain and coordination and it's a fun thing to do. So I'm trying to think if there's any, anything else. What did I allow myself to do after five? Yeah. I guess right now I'm just buying guitars like a maniac.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a couple of follow-up questions. Yeah. One, one serious and one silly. Do you enjoy like, like for me, money is a game. And I think this is not a good mindset to have, but I enjoy, despite us having enough, I enjoy seeing the number grow. Although we're not going to change our life in any way as a result of it. It's still kind of fun to optimize and consider these decisions and, look at your personal capital account 10 times a day to see that it's gone up 50 bucks in the past. I'm not that bad, but do you enjoy, is it a game to you? Do you enjoy seeing your nest egg grow? Would it be difficult to watch it start to shrink? I have that flaw too. Yeah, I
1: think. So I have a couple courses. I have another podcast, YouTube channel, and I make money from those and a good measuring stick to see if you're successful is if You earn money. Like, that's a very clear thing to measure success. Yes, there's other things like do I enjoy creating the podcast and the YouTube videos? Does the audience enjoy it? And does it generate money? So, those are like three questions, which I'm pretty sure I ripped off from Alan Donegan. (laughs) I've been listening to his podcast recently, Rebel Entrepreneur, a little plug for his show. But basically, it, it will be difficult to turn that off and just say, you know what? It is okay if I'm not continuing to earn money, even though the process along the way is actually pretty fun. Like I've sculpted it so that I enjoy the process. So I'm not sure how that's going to play out. And it's actually a great problem to have, right? I enjoy the work that I'm doing, so I could do it if I want to, but I could also maybe stop for a year or two and then pick it back up or transition to some other thing I want to do. And that's one thing we haven't, you know, we haven't started doing. And most of the people that I've run into in the fi community, like yourself and Mindy, you haven't started drawing down in any serious way. You keep accumulating. You guys are generating some money. Mindy's working. So I haven't run into many people who say, yeah, we we actually started drawing down at, at this point. So I think once that happens, we are, so conservative that we'll probably have so much more than what we need by any estimation that it won't be as hard to say, you know what, we're going to go on this kind of crazy trip and go to Iceland and, you know, just spend whatever we want. Cause it's okay. If it was, if it's like, you know, $20,000, which sounds insane to even say out loud, but I mean, maybe it's like a two month trip. Like that could cost $20,000 to go on an international trip and go to an expensive place. So yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Um, yeah. I'd, I've often thought if I would change my investing strategy, I think this is why people are so into dividends because you don't have to touch, you see it. And this might be a, not the right way to think about it or I don't think they're thinking about it the right way, but they think, well, I don't have to touch my core thing because I'm getting all this money thrown off. But then on the, on the other hand, I've thought like we've got these real estate syndications now that pay us out a bunch of cash every quarter the issue now is they're all in pre tax accounts, but we could change that, or maybe in the future we would do some to a post tax account. So these things would spit off money and then we wouldn't have to actually sell shares. And I guess if you've got like VTSAX, I don't know what the dividend yield on that is, probably between 1% and 2% somewhere. But if you've got a million bucks in that, that's probably somewhere between 10 and 20,000. So you wouldn't really have to touch here. Your- Your core nest egg, I guess. Maybe that makes it a little bit easier. I think you're tricking yourself a little bit there, but whatever Mm -hmm. makes you sleep better at night. Yep. Yeah. So, my follow-up question for you, Doug, is you talked a little bit about your white couch and that thing. If you had kids, you would have never bought a white couch. Like, there's a – if you buy a Tesla, you can pay extra money to get it with a white interior. And I don't know why anyone would ever do that. Like, I'm a slob. My kids are 10X slobs. And that white interior would just collect total shit in about – Five minutes, but you've got a white couch. And the, the first thing I thought when I saw it is, wow, like if someone was drinking red wine, would they be banned from the couch? Like they'd have to sit, not only could they not sit on it, but they'd have to stay like three feet away from it. Is that the case? Like, do you all like drink or ever eat dinner on the couch or does that?
1: I'm not even allowed to sit on it.
0: Really? Okay. <laughs> God, I said, I, I did take a shower before I came over here. Hopefully <laughs> I did enough to leave my stink on it.
1: Yeah. We, um, we, realized we have like the least kid-friendly home now we have a dog that's not super friendly but she looks friendly we have a white couch we got a new liquor cabinet too which is like filled with liquor and alcohol and stuff we have a kegerator in the garage like this is the wrong place for any any child so
0: just buy some guns and knives
1: yeah yeah luckily those are up you know those are out out of reach most mostly so not all the knives so a lot of the knives are out (laughs)
0: Yeah, so maybe the solution is, Doug, you just allow yourself to eat white food. Like, the only thing you can eat on the couch is, like, cauliflower. uh, White asparagus. White asparagus. You knew where I was going with that. Yeah, (laughs) white wine. So if it it landed on the couch, it wouldn't cause an issue. Oh, man. All right.
1: Well, I think we got through most of all of the points here. Uh, Some of these from Mind Speaks 18, um, they, they were so deep. And hopefully our insight was slightly helpful. I mean, I think some of these were more psychological and therapy-based where, you know, it's probably dangerous to listen to advice from Carl and I. But I think we're we're relatively well-adjusted,
0: right? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say so. Doug does not actually own any weapons that I know of. Right, yeah. So... I think we are good to go. Any other thoughts before we um, wrap it up today? Yeah, one final thought. I was thinking, I always try to come up with, come up with a unique Halloween costume. And this year, maybe we, we both do one, and I'm matching one. You can probably see where I'm going with this. And then we could record on a YouTube video. Maybe I could be green asparagus. You could be white asparagus. <laughs> and we get like a – this costume is <laughs> probably already out there. So AAC, Asparagus Advocacy. <laughs> uh council if you're listening we we're fully behind you and we will have a show around you they probably have a banner that we could hang up behind with like fields of asparagus like i don't even know where they grow that shit it's probably in california or somewhere but maybe we could go take a tour of an asparagus farm at some point
1: yeah i um i think that could be a dangerous costume for us to go go around in <laughs> Very phallic, I would imagine,
0: at least the way I'm imagining it. It could be scratch and sniff too, maybe. <laughs> yep, that's right. That's That sounds really
1: good. That's a great costume. All right. Well, uh, one thing that I usually forget, so sign up for our email list. If you've made it this far, you obviously find it somewhat entertaining if you're not on the email list milehighfi.club. We send out about one email per week. We haven't ramped it up um, yet, but yeah, about one email per week. And we just let you know that the episode is out. The other thing is the economy conference. So Carl, you're going to be speaking. I have tickets. I'm going to be attending. And I did see, I, I think this is public now, but Mr. Money Mustache, Pete, is going to be at Economy, right?
0: Yeah, that's true. This is going to be great. J.D. Roth is going to be there. Pete's going to be there. So all these old school types are going to be there. So it's going to be, yeah, super cool. Super looking forward to it.
1: And I wouldn't be surprised if it sold out by the time this episode comes out, but check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes. And if you use Carl's I guess, coupon code of 1500, you can save some money. So Carl's an affiliate and he'd earn some money if you do that, but then he'd be able to buy more asparagus. Which-
0: actually, actually, Doug, I do not earn any money. So it will not, it will not earn me any uh, money, but maybe the the AAC is headquartered in Ohio. if so, we can visit them. <laughs> we can check it out. Okay. I, I thought you were an affiliate. Okay. That's cool.
1: Well, you're doing your affiliate marketing wrong then. If you're not getting paid. Uh, But Diana's great. If you didn't check out the episode, I'm excited to meet her in person and head over to Cincinnati. And then the other is to check out Camp Phi. I enjoyed it very much. And there's a a link in the show notes here. There are various locations across the country. And I'm not planning on attending any more this year just because of my schedule. But if there's one close to you or one you could make it to, highly recommended. You've been to a bunch, right?
0: Yeah, I've been to a bunch. I know there are two more this year. One might be done by the time this airs. That is the Midwest one. And the other one is Joshua Tree out in California. And I think that one is sold out. I might go to that one if I can get a ticket, but it's not looking good at this point. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be a really cool one. Have you been to Joshua Tree before? I have not. I've driven through California, like Las Vegas, to San Diego or Los Angeles, but I don't think I've ever stopped off and seen that. It's been so freaking hot. But um, yeah, and I'll bet inland California is a big agriculture, maybe. That's where the AAC is, so can stop off and see them, Multi have a multi-purpose trip.
1: We're going to look this up as soon as we stop recording, by the way. so Okay, cool. I think we plugged all the things we're supposed to plug. Can you think of anything else? I cannot. All right. Well, I was going to say your blog, 1500 Days, and I do stuff over on uh, The Doug Show. It's another podcast. If you want to see the other things that I work on, you can check that stuff out. And uh, yeah, I think we, we plugged everything we could possibly plug at this point. So
0: I think so. I, I thought of something else in my mind, but it would be extremely inappropriate uh, what we learned <laughs> recently. <laughs> yeah, I'm not touching it. All right. Well, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Doug. See you soon.